Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome once again to Las Vegas, Nevada. Today you will meet a man who was a child star from decades ago and is still a multi-talented performer who has a number of irons in the fire. His name is Bobby Mayo Jr. and you will meet him in just a few moments. And of course, you'll also hear from our regulars on the wine world of Eddie O, America's first master sommelier, will suggest that it's time to dump those familiar appetizers when you're entertaining. On Luxury Living Vegas Style, Gady Medrano of Flipping Vegas discusses how to deal with homes that might take too long to sell. And finally, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com tells us those very funny folks at Absinthe have another great Vegas show for us to see. come to Las Vegas. There's so many great entertainers around here, and we've been able to introduce you to some, and again, there's so many here that unless you live here, you really don't know. we got a great one here. Bobby Mayo Jr., he's a comedian, impersonator, and just another one of those great talents. And Bobby, I understand you came really from a celebrity family. I mean, you kind of grew up in all this. Absolutely, yes. Thank you for having me, by the way, and it's... uh that's true, yeah. My stepmother was Mickey Marlowe. She had a lot of hit records. She was on the original Tonight Show with Steve Allen. And, you know, it's funny. I got to meet Andy Williams. I, I met him as a kid, but I, as an adult with mom, because he was on the show, too. It was yeah. One night it would be Andy Williams and Mickey Marlowe. Next night it would be Steve and Edie. So everybody remembers Steve and Edie. Not too many people remember that even Andy Williams was on the show, let alone my stepmother. But yeah, my pop was Bobby Mayo of the Mayo Brothers, and they they were a famous dance team, and they worked with Martin and Lewis for about seven years. They did the London Palladium and, you know, Copacabana, a lot of big rooms with Martin and Lewis. So what kind of childhood is this? I mean, this seems cool. I'm thinking about, you know, my parents' friends were just the guy down the street. Your parents' friends were uh, big, huge stars, and they were too. It's funny, yeah. It, you know, when you're a kid growing up like I did in it, you don't really realize where you're at. So, you know, I'd see Elvis Presley or Ed Sullivan or whoever, you know, Major Jack Benny, and I just saw them as another person. Everybody else around me would be falling down, you know, Frank Sinatra and like that. But uh, I don't know. I just had a different mindset. Now I'm more excited about that I was with them than I was when yeah. I grew up. <laughs> but, yeah, it was fun in that sense. But it really, it's a lot of work. It's For my life, it was nothing but work. I didn't look at it like I was famous or I was around famous people. Like you're saying, it wasn't exciting the way you're, the I way people it. think it would uh, yeah. be. Yeah, but I'm thinking as an impersonator, what a great way to to do it, where you're not only judging them from what they do on screen, but you kind of see them in their off time and so forth. Does that help? Kind Absolutely, of? yes, it does, and especially with guys like Elvis or Dean Martin. You know, he was like a, a, a somewhat of an uncle, even though I didn't know him personally, but the family did. Yeah. But he he was. Um, you know, anyway, they all have their own personalities. But like you're saying, uh, for me later to reflect on it, yes, I pick up little things of what how they were. And, and it does make it 
where you understand why they do what they did rather than just trying to reflect on what they did. You, you say, why does Dean Martin do this? Why does Elvis go like that? You know, so you kind of like put it together. Well, it's because his mother hit him in the head when he was a kid or whatever, you know. Whatever you just don't know what it is. But I mean, those kind of things help me to refine the impression. It just seems like kind of a fun time, though. And like you say, because it becomes just part of life, it isn't that special. Like you say, I think it's interesting. It's actually a bigger deal now when you look back. Sure it is. Do you wish you would have chatted more with these people? Yeah, I do. Like, sometimes I think of what I should have said, what I could have said, and all that jazz. But, you know, really, I, you know, because I worked so much as a kid, I didn't have a great scholastic education kind of a thing, right? So, yeah. But I learned from these greats. But just but the um, osmosis of being around them, whether it was Vincent Minnelli, who was the guy that really, what? he was the one that... Uh, kind of um, discovered me. He saw me on the Steve Allen show when I was five years old. And he said, we need this kid. And he was making the movie The Courtship of, the Courtship of Eddie's Father. And Ronnie Howard was the star. And Glenn Ford and Shirley Jones. Big movie. So he wanted me to do the impressions in the movie. And Ron Howard's agent said, nah, we don't know this kid. He just came off the tee. We don't know what he does. We don't, he's not in the contract. So he gave me a few lines. And I wound up being a SAG actor on my first thing, right? First movie. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is when you see Vincent Minnelli work or Stanley Kramer or the other great directors, whether it's Michael Landon, Barbara Streisand, people that I work with, and you, you kind of get an idea of when I'm going to make something, I, I kind of reflect on what they did and how they handled it. You know, you, know, you were in the Rat Pack, uh, one of them, and there's quite a few of them, but you got this great review because... And I, I say this uh, with all <laughs> with all due respect. He was going, "Well, this guy really doesn't look like Dean Martin," you know. He goes, mm-hmm. "But boy, if you close your eyes, you think you're hearing him." And I think, "What a compliment that is!" Thank you, know, you very even, much. Yeah, yes. even though you know he he was sort of taking a shot, but was was that a kind of thing when you do those type of things? That must be the difficult part, I assume, is trying to look like these people because it's just really hard to do that. It's so funny. I don't really look like anybody. I do right. Whether it's Elvis or Dean Martin or Paul McCartney or all the other impressions I do, Jimmy Cagney and on and on. But it's, I learned from guys like Sammy Davis Jr. That was the first record I learned. He had a record out called Because of You When We Were Kids. And I learned from that. And I got to work with him later when I was a you know, young man and then in the movie with him. But I didn't work with him in the movie. But uh, guys like him, John Biner, Rich Little, you know. When you pick, I'm an impressionist. So you turn around in the old days, and you, you put your collar up, yeah. and you're Elvis. You know, and I was I was taught early on that it's it's in the public eye that if you kind of give them the visual of what it's supposed to be, they're already visualizing Elvis before I turn around because I'm shaking my leg and I got my collar up, right? Then when I turn around, and if I'm good enough, then I sell it, right? And it works. Yeah. But again, it's like an acting job. So this show was one of the first ones that I did where I had to be Dean Martin. Otherwise, in my show, I go in and out of the character and I kind of, you know, joke about it like this is in the style of Dean. And really, in more ways than one, a lot of times I hit the notes or I do, you know, closer to them than a lot of the impersonators do. And for me, it was always kind of a chip on my shoulder just because the guys are look-alike. All right, that's great yeah. for a photograph. And I know a lot of them, and they're great guys, and they're really good people. So it's not about that. But it's a difference between 
me, I approach it as an actor, so I don't need to look like. So I'd say Kurt Russell, when he did the movie about Elvis, he really doesn't look like Elvis, but when he did the movie, you, you bought, it. bought it. Or, you know, Larry Parks as Jolson or something like that, you know, that kind of thing. More with entertainer Bobby Mayo Jr. in just a few moments. Time now for The Wine World of Eddie O, featuring Eddie Osterlin, America's first master sommelier. When a lot of people entertain, what they do is they bring out the the opening food, which isn't so great, and they save the best for last. Eddie, you say that's doing it entirely the wrong way. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather people do it in reverse. You know, here's one thing I've noticed. You know, I studied behavioral psychology in school, and so I'm used to looking at the dynamics of group behavior, and I, I look at people in restaurants, etc. And one thing I've noticed, um, and you're guilty of it, and so am I. People don't like being hungry. We don't like being hungry. We don't like that pain in our tummy that happens several times a day. So when given an opportunity, we nibble on something. And here's the facts. When people come over to your house, they're going to throw out, uh, people generally will throw out a, an array of hors d'oeuvres. And they usually run in the numbers of uh, dips, chips, nuts, guacamole, sliced cheese, salami, you know, the, the, the crudite. And um, that's what everybody else does. And the people who come into your house, you know, if you got a dog at home, you put a bowl of food in front, what happens? The dog puts his head in a bowl and finishes it. The people coming to your house are no different than a dog. They hate to say that, but they don't like being hungry. And so they're going to come in and they are going to mow down anything within a four to five foot range of arm, arm range. They're going to eat and nibble and nosh and, until their appetite is which starts sharp if they come in hungry. Let's say it starts at a 10 and a 10. They're going to whittle it down to a four in 20 minutes. So what I'm saying is people are going to dine on your hors d'oeuvres. So if you want to impress them, if we're talking power entertaining, I suggest that you take that first 15-minute window, which I call the magic window, and you pummel them with something delicious rather than the normal fare that everybody else does because you can't miss. They're going to love it. Sometimes I use the phrase, starve them and stab them. Bring them in, tell them they can only eat an apple, and then launch the best thing, the most expensive thing, the best tasting thing you can afford, and you can't miss. I mean, then, then you're going to be, as Charlie Sheen called it, winning Eddie O will be back again next week. More with entertainer Bobby Mayo Jr. in just a few moments. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Biz Talk Radio Network. Hey, I'm Michael Shapiro from Reckless in Vegas, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a 100 years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and -and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorn's Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. 800-908-9850. 
800-908-9850. That's 800-908-9850. So are you tired of being tired? Well, then it's time to get the tea. Hey, it's Lisa here to tell you about this all-natural, all-organic tea I've been drinking that has had great results for over 20 years. It's called Life Change Tea, and it's specially formulated to help detoxify and cleanse your kidneys, liver, colon, and blood all at once. The colon is one of the most ignored organs in the human body. The faster that waste is eliminated from the body, the less time that waste sits in our intestines, spreading toxins to our bloodstream. This tea helps cleanse chemicals caused by outside intruders from our entire digestive system. And get this, weight loss can be a side effect. And with continued use of the tea, you can experience clear, healthier, younger-looking skin, increased energy, and a happier outlook on life. So if you're tired of being tired, get the Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. And like me, you'll be glad you did. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Film is a medium that touches heart and soul. What better place to explore the big questions, and even the biggest question of all? What is the meaning of life? It takes a certain confidence to tackle that one, a faith of vision, and in audiences who prefer more than empty entertainment. In recent years, two very special films have addressed that universal question directly. First was Terence Malick's The Tree of Life, which starts confidently at the beginning of time. Malick then carries us forward, slowly presenting a world we know, allowing our own conclusions to evolve. This is a studious film, not to be missed by any serious film scholar. But for those who like riveting execution and confounding mental agility with their big concept films, we suggest Beasts of the Southern Wild. Both Ben Seitlin and Malick offer the same postulate. The meaning of life is perpetuation of the species expressed through deep and primeval longing for the survival of our young. Malick spent many millions on his project, even paying handsomely to move a full-grown oak tree to the front yard of his location. Ben Zeitlin had a lot fewer zeros to go around, but he made a masterpiece of our time. Beasts of the Southern Wild and the Tree of Life, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Bobby Mayo Jr., a man that grew up around superstars such as Elvis, Sinatra, and Jerry Lewis. It, it has to be something, too, where I would think the real success is to hit the audio side, right? Because, you know, mm. like you said, there's only so much you can do to look like Demar. You can do some of those things. But when I'm listening to it, yeah, and, and what do you pick up? Let's we'll start with Dean Martin, okay? So what well, it's the persona, you know? He, he was a funny man. He was really, in a lot of ways, funnier than Jerry Lewis, and, and everybody knew it. 
even though Jerry had the thing of being funny and all that, right? But and the, the weird part about Dean is when you saw him on the TV show or even live, you'd always clown around. He hardly ever sang a song all the way through. It was mainly jokes. But when he really, and he would say that. He said, if you like what you're hearing, you buy the album. <laughs> you know, that's what he would tell the audience, right? And, but, so he, but when you hear him recording, and a lot of those recordings, Sinatra was conducting the orchestra, stuff like that, those arrangements, he's really greater, a greater singer than people knew. As a, and as an actor, he was a greater actor than people. But everybody saw the buffoon guy that your uncle liked this thing with your, your uncle that hugs you a little too hard or something like that. He was one of those kind of things because he came into our house. I don't know. Did that answer your question? I'm not going in a different place. No, it does. I, I, I like that because I'm just trying to get a feel for Dean. You know, I interviewed her or you know, his uh, daughter, mm-hmm. and she used to say all those guys that used to drive Sinatra and Tammy Davis crazy and the fact that – he didn't. He just had that talent. He didn't worry about it. He wasn't worried. They would spend so much time trying to get the pitch just right. It just came to him. It did. Jerry it would drive Jerry Lewis crazy because Jerry would write a whole routine, and Dean would be golfing to the last minute and just show up right before the show, and he would drive Jerry nuts. And Jerry would go nuts. And Dean would go, "Oh yeah, boy. Okay, baby, let's do it." <laughs> and he hit every marquee at every line. He was that good. Elvis had the same thing. And I worked with the Jordanaires for almost a year. We were doing the, the night shift show here at the Gold Coast. It was a live TV show. I don't know if you remember that. But I was a sidekick on the show that they brought me into it. But uh, anyway, we, I shared a dressing room with the Jordanaires, and it was the same kind of a thing. So anyway, what can well, I you, say? Well, you did a lot of acting. I mean, I know they used to say Gleason used to do that. Drove everybody crazy, right, without the... Just didn't like it. He thought he was fresher when he just went out there. That's well, a secret. Yeah, yeah. Well, now when you used to do that with all these stars, was it hard? Because I imagine for most people they want to. Uh, for me. For you. No, I because I wasn't a, a star child or whatever you want to call it or really famous. I was just an actor. So when they said go to the table, pick up the drink, and go sit down, you know, that, I would and I do my lines, hit my mark. So that's why I kept working, because I didn't cause them any trouble. I never got in any arguments or any fights or anything like that. All the other kid actors were pretty hard to deal with. That's why they always say they don't want to work with kids and all like that, right, and animals. Because other kids, I love my mother. <laughs> I didn't do any of that. I just stood there, and if anything, I looked like a kid that was sick or so. I just stood there like that, and they said, you sure this kid's going to do... Uh, and then my dad would go, yeah, don't worry about it. He knows what he's doing. And I, so because I hit my lines and all, but I didn't have the the uh, latitude to be able to do those kind of things or just kind of off the cuff. That came later with doing stuff like the Rat Pack show where we would, but even so, see, a lot of people think that like the rat, the real Rat Pack, that they were all off the top of their head. It was all improv. It really wasn't. You got three great actors, including Joy Bishop and then... Uh, the other guy, Peter, uh, uh, Peter Lawford. Lawford, right? And they were actors, so they, but they knew the routine, and every now and again they throw each other a curve to you know, kind <laughs> of fun. mess up uh, you know, the, the scene. But really, they knew what they were doing, and everything was almost time. So we, our show was like that, too, even though people think it's off the cuff, but it's really scripted. Yeah, well, they always said, I remember the famous joke, the, I want to thank the NAACP for giving me this award. He picks up Sammy Davis. Right. And it always seemed like, because they did a good job, oh, wow, look what I saw. They just joke around. That was an every Rat Pack thing I've ever seen. Though. Right. The same, The same bit. That's right. Well, 
you certainly don't seem messed up from a child actor. You know, you always hear about uh, child actors. Oh, my God, they're messed up. They have these well, horrible Well, you lives. haven't come home with me yet. That's always true. <laughs> well, I mean, what does that come from? Does that come from my family? Uh, the, the, you grew up in that, whereas a lot of these people, the kid's the only one working, so everybody's, you know, they're kind of the meal ticket. Yeah, it was kind of tough in that regard. I mean, I love my parents, but here again, they had to, I was like hands off and, you know, he's making money. He might be a big star. We don't know. You know, I could have been the next Elvis or what. And they were, they were grooming me for that. And I took the turn to say, I don't want this. You'll hear more from Bobby Mayo Jr. in just a moment. Time now for Luxury Living Vegas Style with Gady Medrano, star of Flipping Vegas, which you can see on the DIY Network. Just check your local listings. Today, Gady discusses one of the biggest fears of anyone who is selling a house. When I was a kid, I remember my parents sold their home. It was just expected that it might take a month, two months, even three months to sell your house. It seems like the perception of that, or maybe that just comes from being around these hot markets, it's no longer like that. You can turn around. How, what are you normally seeing in terms of turnaround now? And I know it varies from property to property, but... Well, if you go on my Facebook page, I just did a market snapshot, which I do at the end of the month. And so with that one, I'll just tell you exactly what it was for November, the average days on the market. And again, you have to factor in this is thousands. We're looking at about 4,000 and sold or in that I've sold, but you have obviously more listed. But days on the market where it actually got into contract, we are at 35 days. So that factors in you know, those that just fly off the shelf in the first week and then those that are you know 60 to 90 days. So that's your average that you're looking at right now for the previous month. And that has actually decreased because we're going into we're going into winter and the holidays and not as many people are moving so you, the activity is down so the previous month we were looking i believe it was 29 days or 31 i'd have to go back and look at it but th- that's what we're averaging right now yeah and then uh that should give people confidence that if they have one of those things where they're selling and then going to go and turn around and buying it Hey, you can do that, right? Because there's, there's always a fear. A lot of people, you know, they've got all their money in their home, so to speak. They don't want to, they can't be having two mortgages at the same time. Well, that's going to come down to your agent as well and pricing. The, the, it's the biggest obstacle because sometimes people or sellers are emotionally attached to, say, a remodel or what they did to it as opposed to being objective and seeing like, hey, well, this is what it can actually sell for. Now, if you do have a little bit of time, I'll price it aggressively. Like, hey, we'll give it a shot and this will be, and then it just answers the market speaks for itself. So if it doesn't sell, it has no activity, nobody's looking, nobody's biting, then it is what it is. You have to price it correctly. But I'll let, for, for instance, my seller know, like, this is not what I recommend. <laughs> this is probably not what it's going to sell for, but we'll give it a shot. And then you do, and you put forth your, your greatest effort, and sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't, but also realistic expectations. Now, if you're really going to struggle and you don't want to give it that time, you don't have that time, you need to hurry up and sell it, then price it correctly. Like, actually do that. And if you price it too high, you have to for you have to change the price within two weeks if it doesn't work. I mean, you can't let it sit on the market because then it'll widen your issues and then you'll get low ball offers. And there's other things, so you have to do things correctly. But for me, it's it's all of it's very sellable. If you list it right, you price it right, you can turn around and sell it without any issue. You can find out more about Gady at GadyRealEstate.com. That's spelled G-A-D-Y. More with the multi-talented Bobby Mayo Jr. in just a few moments. 
You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the BizTalk Radio Network. Do you own a real business that makes real money? Not just an idea for a business, but a real revenue-generating business. Then we have what every business needs to run and grow. Cash. Call the Business Cash Advance Line, and in just five minutes, you could be well on your way to securing up to $1 million in funding for your business. Use the money however you want. Try new advertising, buy inventory, purchase equipment, or pay taxes and other bills. Call now to secure up to $1 million in less than a week. The process is quick and easy. Call the Business Cash Advance Line to speak with an account manager now. Representatives are standing by, so if you need to get up to $1 million in working capital to grow your business, don't wait. Call right now. 800-445-1099. 800-445-1099. Call now. 800-445-1099. That's 800 445 1099. The two tight ends are lined up as tight ends. Back goes Darrell to pass. He's looking for Smith, but instead goes down the middle. Chester, touchdown Raiders! That is the Oakland Raiders. No, not the Oakland Raiders of 2017, but the Oakland Raiders of 1972. And that's what we're talking about on a new feature called RaiderHistorian.com. You go there and we have every week different highlights from years of the past, including a look back at Al Davis, the owner, all the great games, the rivalries, the philosophy of the team, and so forth. It's a must as the Raiders head to Las Vegas in just another few years. If you're here in Las Vegas, you got to know that history, and if you're from Oakland and L.A., you'll want to relive that as well. RaiderHistorian.com. One in three adults in America have prediabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. Years 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. <laughs> When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see. And there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week on the show. But Scott's got a lot more there. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? (laughs) That is the case. (laughs) Yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. 
it's a must when you come to Las Vegas. VitalVegas.com. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Bobby Mayo Jr., a man who has an impressive media background who continues in a variety of genres today. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I started writing songs. I started playing instruments. And I went my own way, which professionally or even financially wasn't the smart thing to do. But the other kid actors that didn't do that, they're either dead or they're strung out on drugs. Most of them. There's only a handful like a Ron Howard. How many Ron Howards are there? Right. Ron, right? Ron Howard's the, you know, everybody's dream yeah. kid actor, right? right? Exactly. And stayed out of trouble. Exactly. And he was our neighbor. He lived in Burbank. I lived right around the corner from him. The last thing, the big thing that I was up for, and because I didn't want to be an actor, I blew it off, was Happy Days. And that was the last time I saw Ron Howard. I was up for the Fonz. And I just didn't want to do it. I mean, yeah. When you think about it, Chotzi or whatever, all the other guys looked like me. I was the type they wanted, not Henry Winkler. But if it wasn't for Henry Winkler, he saved the show. Right. He made it work. So it's good that I didn't make it. I mean, it, would, it probably ne- it might have not been as big as it got it just, if I yeah. did it. Who he knows? just caught lightning in a bottle, right? I mean, it was one of those things where right guy at the right time, it That's just all right. fit. Yeah. And he had a few years on me. So he, he was able to, you know, put it together and be a little sharper than a, a younger kid like me. So that doesn't keep you up at night than when you think, oh, man, it could have been me. or oh, Not God, really. No, it does aggravate me sometimes when everybody I know is a big, major, famous person. And it's like, well, it's golly, but <laughs> I smell funny. What's going on, you know? So, no, but it's just I, it was my own choices. I, I kind of took a curve and, you know, whatever. But that happens. But in the, at the same time, I've always been working one way or another. Uh, the last few years, I kind of took a hiatus or what they call, you know. Like they say in the in the television business, but you're ready to jump back. Right? Oh, I'm I mean, ready now. I got. We're working on a couple of TV show ideas, a couple. Of, uh, I uh, yeah, podcast. We're working on a couple of things like that that you know we'll talk about. But uh, I got a couple of TV shows. I got a lady from San Diego wants me to produce a show here, and we'll see. Irons in the fire, but I'm I'm working on getting in the studio. I got a couple albums I want to do CDs now, as I say. But one will be dedicated to my mom, her greatest hits and like that and I remember my mom kind of an album I remember mama type of thing so I'm working on those kind of things but um, I'd love to get in a show because I miss the audience I'm, I'm a real entertainer 
and you need the audience. That's all there is to it. There's no question. That's, as far as the uh, tribute album, is that kind of a labor of love kind of thing? Like you know, yes, because you had. I mean, you had a happy childhood in that regard. And yeah, yeah. If you want to say, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, it was creative. They, uh, I, and when I, I made a list when I got became an adult. What do I do? Where am I going? Who am I? And all that kind of jazz, like a lot of people do when they're eighteen or something. Actor, director, producer, writer. You know, I made a little, and I said, "What do I do? What do I do?" So I, I kind of put all in the thing. Well, I'm an artist, and now that word is used kind of a lot, where maybe where it doesn't belong, but that's the way I see myself. So I could do all those different things, and there's only a few people that I can, and there happen to be people I look up to, like Chaplin or Jerry Lewis, even though they all put those guys down. But you know, or Barbara Streisand or Sinatra, they were not only the singer, they were the producer, they were the actor, they, you know, they were involved in more than one, had their hand in more than one thing, but they were able to do that. And I feel I have that ability. I just really haven't had the, the right uh, vehicle. You have a curious mind, right? I mean, you strike me as somebody where you're, you're acting, but you're looking at how, what the director's doing. You're looking at what the other actors are doing and so forth. So you're interested in all that. It's not just a matter of the one person, one job thing. You're... You'd like to take a shot at a lot of things. I sure do. And any any great production that I've been involved with, it's a team. It's like a ball game or something. You need everybody. It's not one person. Uh, so it's that kind of thing. I mean, any great show, when you may do a rap and they have a rap party and all like that, whether it's Ship of Fools or some of the great movies I was in, you have a great uh, rap party. You feel like a little family there for a little bit. You know? And you've only been together. Ship of Fools was a long one. That was shot for about three months, which most movies don't or even TV shows are like a couple of weeks, Bonanza, I did Bonanza. You know, I worked a couple of days on that one, you know? So you don't work that long. But still, at the end of the project, everybody's kind of family and friends. And so, yeah, I am looking at other things. But when you're, it's, there's a, it's like you have to department, departmentalize your mind. If I'm, as a, if I'm an actor, if you hire me as an actor, I'm just going to concentrate about that. I don't care what the director is talking about the other guys, as long as I'm in the right place and hit my mark and do my thing. Now, if I'm producing it, then I'm watching the whole thing. Sure, I'm still, my mind is curious about all that other stuff, but I, even with the Rat Pack is Back show, I was doing Rat Pack stuff before that show happened, and it's documented, it's in the newspapers and all that. But the thing is that it was great to be in that show because I wasn't producing it. Right. I was just show up and be Dean Martin. Sing like Dean Martin and you got it. And, I, you know, a lot of people don't realize, too, Dean Martin, because he was funny, what throws a curve in that show was all the jokes. People didn't expect the jokes. You expect the music, great music, but, and Dean happened to be a funny guy. So out of all the guys in, the, in that repertoire, the Dean character, whether it was me doing it or anybody else, was kind of the funny guy. Right. Uh, you know, outside of Sandy Hackett when he played Joey Bishop or the other comedians that we had, which are all very famous comedians. Uh, you know, the, um, we had one that was uh, George Carlin's opening act, and, you know, great comedians that worked in our show with us. But even so, the Dean Martin character was kind of funny because he was loaded. Everybody said, oh, he's a little tanked, you know. I said, okay, well, that's an easy job to do. Oh, yeah, baby, you know. Oh, woo, yeah. You know, there's the first drink I had all day in my left hand. <laughs> Stuff yeah. like that. You are listening to the incredibly talented Bobby Mayo Jr. Well, yeah, he, he always <laughs> seemed like he was just having fun, even more than the other two guys. He's just having fun. Nothing can, nothing can stop him, and you can't get him upset. You know, That's that really kind of a trick, fun. and even with Martin and Lewis, later they talked about that. Most of the gag was between them. They didn't even look at the audience. Oh, they didn't even care about the audience. You know, it was like them, and the audience was like on, a in, on the inside of a joke. Of like, oh, this is cool. We're seeing like behind the scenes thing, but it was part of the the charm of it. So yeah, that's it. You know, you got to be comfortable, and then you got to be able to, you know, deliver. It's you know, it, again, it's it's a show, 
it's not real. It, you know, it's an acting job. You know, people think it's, you know, you are Dean Martin. And I have a little problem with some of the impersonators that walk around thinking they're Frank Sinatra or Elvis Presley. It's like, come on, Pally, okay, it's over. <laughs> Take the suit off now. And, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, but most yeah. of them are really good guys and they work hard, you know, and they're, they're, they do good. And like I felt too, I helped. Keep Dean Martin in the public eye. I helped keep Elvis in it. When I was started to, to do Elvis as a teenager, he wasn't hip. It wasn't happening. But I kept it going, and I did it in my show, and now he's still one of the biggest of ever. So, yeah. you know, it's funny how things go around. But, you know, it's true that you just got to be able to enjoy what you're doing. If you don't, Even like yeah. the president says, if you're going to take a job on or something, you got to enjoy what you're doing. You have to love what you're doing. Then you're great at it, or you could be. You know, if, if you're going to work and it's a drudgery, whether it's acting or singing, oh, then it doesn't come yeah. out. You got to have that thing. And with the band, same thing. Well, you know, I just want to make sure people understand. They might be hearing a, a name of a movie or a name of a TV show. Kind of give us kind of the Reader's Digest version. You've been through a lot of time. You talk about Bonanza. That was a huge television sure. show in its day. What, what other thing? And I, some of the movies you were dropping, uh, yeah. the names, I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, it just so happened that I was fortunate to be in really big you know, productions all the way around. Television, one of the first things, besides the Steve Allen show, where obviously people like Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis was on and uh, other greats, you know. But that was the first. And then, of course, uh, television was like, Dr. Kildare was one of my first shows. Another big uh, hit. Yeah, yeah. I, so it was a lot that I, some I don't even remember. Slattery's People, Richard Crenna was yeah. the star of that. So like Bonanza, Family Affair, Laredo, Hondo, uh, all those kind of shows. And then I did a lot of performing. I was on the Vic Damone show. At one time, the Jackie Gleason show, just like when Elvis made it, the uh, Dorsey brothers, they, he gave them their slot. It was, but it was still Jackie Gleason Productions. So the same thing they did with... Uh, uh, Vic Damone. And I was on the Vic Damone show with uh, uh, Della Reese and uh, um, Jose Jimenez. Was, uh, yeah, Bill Dana. Bill Dana, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, those are some of the TV things. But then the movies were, the big ones were In Cold Blood, Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand, uh, Ship of Fools, probably was my biggest role yes. in out of all of them. And um, The Court of Eddie's Father, uh, Kind of other ones that weren't so famous, but now there's one that's a cult movie that they they tried to destroy, and it's a horrible movie. But Roddy McDowell's in it, and Lou Rawls is a star in the movie. But anyway, yeah. So those are some of yeah. the big ones. I, there, I could probably there's more if I go through my. It's after you know when you think about it. I started in 1962, so yeah. that's before the Beatles hit America, right? Back with more from Bobby Mayo Jr. in just a moment. In the meantime, Brett Mailey, one of the experts from Pawn Stars, is here with your Vegas Art Minute. Today's topic, how much knowledge do you need to participate in collecting art? Is there a danger, and do you warn people sometimes of maybe overthinking things? You know, we're thinking like it's got to look a certain way or it has to have a certain background instead of just enjoying it. Because once in a while you'll get that where they're frustrated they're not you. So they, 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 they kind of want to figure this thing out, and maybe they're just thinking too much about it. Well, and I think that's where the education comes in. And I'm not talking about education, you know, necessarily going to classes. I'm just talking about exposing yourself to as much art as you can. And you'll develop your taste and you'll cultivate, uh, you know, what your likes and dislikes are by doing that. And I think the more uh, broad your scope, the more broad your taste will become. And yeah, I mean, I, and we've talked about this too, Stephen, in the past. You, you want to make sure you purchase what you like. It doesn't really matter if it matches the sofa or, you know, the colors are just right with the rug. I mean, you want something that speaks to you, that touches your heart, that makes you smile, and then design around that. 
Remember to visit Brett at his family gallery, Art Encounter. More with entertainer Bobby Mayo Jr. in just a few moments. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. Alan Childs here, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Hey y'all, Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know, because my grandfather was a firefighter, and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires. Which means always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So, for the love of the outdoors, go to smokybear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Times are changing. The circus of politics, healthcare's low standards and high prices, and let's not forget food quality. What to do? Arm yourself with life change tea at getthetea.com. In a world of chemical imbalance and poor air and water quality, it's time you make a move. Log on to getthetea.com and stock up on organic non-GMO supplements. Don't forget the tea. Getthetea.com. Cleansing your body never felt so good. And we have a brand new tea called Takedown Tea, which helps support healthy glucose. All natural body support so you can be at your best naturally. All you have to do is log on to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. We're not a fad that comes and goes. We are the real deal. Join us and armor up. Getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. Changing America's health one teabag at a time. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Teen angst is a well-worn topic in modern cinema. There's a good reason. An intriguing story geared to a younger audience has the potential to make a lot of money. But it's rare for a movie to pull off teen angst like The Kings of Summer, directed by Jordan Vote Roberts. As another school year dissolves into summertime, young Joe Toy is fed up with his single father's treatment and runs away from home. He recruits his best friend Patrick and local oddball Biagio to help him build a house in the woods where they are free to do as they please, away from the iron grip of parents. The Kings of Summer is as enduring and funny as it is legitimately affecting with beautiful cinematography reminiscent of Terence Malick. Crisp writing that captures the frustrations of our teen years and top-notch acting across the board. Everyone from bitch players like real-life husband and wife Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally to the very talented three young leads brings their A-game to the film, making each scene lively and meaningful. A coming-of-age story that redefines the boundaries of the genre. This one is a must-see for film fans of any age. The Kings of Summer. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. 
Hey, everyone. You know, let's all stop what we're doing right now and take a moment. That felt good, huh? Just like that, we had a nice, special sort of moment together. Of course, they don't all need to be quiet moments to be special. They could be loud moments, goofy moments, sporty moments, dorky moments. Moments where we talk or walk or just hang out. It doesn't really matter. They all count. Because every time dads like us take a moment like that to spend with our kids, well, it's pretty momentous. (laughs) Sounds like somebody agrees. So let's take a moment to make a moment. Today, call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Angstrom Minerals represent a quantum leap in nutrition. Liquid Minerals offer a more concentrated and quicker boost because they integrate into the body faster. Unlike that handful of pills you take every day, Angstrom Minerals bypass digestion and go directly to the cells. Try Angstrom Minerals for your body, your health, and your life. Register online and use your account to save 5% off your retail order every time you shop. Some restrictions apply. Please visit ElementalResearchInc.com. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to the incredibly talented Bobby Mayo Jr. Very soon you're going to be back out here in Vegas playing different places. Sure, you have any room in mind? I'll be there tomorrow, yeah. Well, well, what are we going to see? What are, what are we going to see? I mean, uh, well, I know there's a, lot a of couple. I'm working on a couple Christmas show ideas, and that's for the live stuff. But because I'm working on the TV stuff, and I... Mm-hmm. You know, right now I just have a show where I just kind of, it's like Bobby remembers, Bobby's memoirs. So I give a little antidote of, oh, when I met Frank Sinatra, when I worked with Frank Sinatra, when I met Elvis, then I do an Elvis song. So I kind of go through, in my act, I have Dean Martin as kind of the host or the one that I have been doing. probably going to change that around when we do a new show. But that's the show I've been doing. It was called Dino and Friends. And Dean would be like the host, like it was the Dean Martin show. And he'd bring on Sinatra, and he'd bring on this one and that one. Then I make Ed Sullivan introduce Elvis, and you know I do all that. So I, you know, but it, that's kind of what you see. And I go into Bobby Darren, then I get on the piano and I do Fats Domino, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, and you know people like you know that you know on the piano because I play like that. Ray Charles. Let me ask you one more thing. You know, you've been a big star for a long time. You really have. You've done. You've done it all. Now you, you, you take a break, you're coming back, there's no question, but it's a different world. What is it like with things like YouTube and so forth? I mean, it's just, you know, I interviewed the guy, the lead singer from uh, Philip Bailey from uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, and he wow. goes, oh yeah, our business is completely different than what it was. Before it was all about making an album, Absolutely. now it's just all about touring. <laughs> well, it's a paradigm shift, like we kind of discussed before we went on the air to talk about this. So you got to kind of go with the flow, right? It's like going from the horse and buggy to the car. So right now, the music business does not know what to do. And as you fellas know, as radio people, you know, we used to be able to go to the DJ, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, whatever, uh, Rick Dees or before that, Brian Burns in L.A. and those kind of guys. And they, all over the country, there would be the hip DJ or like Elvis's guy, right? right. And, and um, 
you had a little thing with them. They would interview you. They play your records. Now, because when it went to cable, it's like lost in the mix, so to speak. Yeah. And you don't have that thing. So you, you just have to relearn it, or I do. And, yeah. and the whole thing. So basically what it comes down to is if somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, you're the guy we've been looking for. Here's $10 million. Let's do a show. And I say, <laughs> okay, great. That's not going to happen, right? So at least if it does, that would be wonderful. But I have to produce myself, right? And that's the, I've been a survivor in that regard where you, yeah. you have to reinvent yourself and you have to do that. And that's what I've been part of. So, yeah, it is new in that regard. But there again, I, I'm not going to change. I'm the entertainer I always was, even as a little kid. I still do some of the same things like Jimmy Cagney, Yankee Doodle Dandy and all that. But, yeah, it is different, so i got to rethink it. And the only way for me to really survive is to kind of produce myself, whether it's doing these, you know, uh, different television show ideas. or yeah. I want to do – we're working on getting, you know, one of our dear friends, LJ, from, you know, the great uh, Cadillac uh, dealership. Uh, so, you know, he has this thing about us like a family. The, the entertainment people is like a family, so we're, we're – coming together as a family and we do these benefits things and I've done uh, uh, one with uh, LJ and I'm looking to do more of that so if we can help use our talent or my talent to help other people that'll be a, a kind of a way that I'm kind of wiggled my way back into doing stuff well, that's terrific and if people Bobby want to find you online or something is there can we be friends with you on Facebook or absolutely where we go? yeah I have an entertainment page on Facebook and I'm pretty much filled up on my personal page the 5,000 and whatever it is but uh, also we're putting together I just started a new company uh, BMJ Productions and LLC so you know we'll have our own website and like that and we'll direct people to that plus we'll be putting stuff out on iTunes and like that some of these new uh, recordings and like that so that's what you'll know, find me that way Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're hopefully if we get one of these TV things or radio things yeah. going on here, that will be more visible then. We're going to keep an eye out for it. And when it's ready to hit the world, we'll have you on once again. Oh, that'd be terrific. Bobby, thank you so much. Thank appreciate you. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I was talking to your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com the other day about what people are telling him they want for a trip to Las Vegas, and he said they're looking for a basically a good deal like they used to get back in the day in the 20th century and so forth. But you can actually find that now, the Orleans Hotel. Yep, they got a great casino, wonderful restaurants, everything from upscale stuff to the buffet to fast food, everything you want. The prices are great. There's lower resort fees and free parking. Why don't you check it out? It's at orleanscasino.com. That's orleanscasino.com. <laughs> Time now for your Vegas Insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Today, Scott discusses another great new show in Vegas. I think we both feel that one of the absolute best shows in town that is always here is Absinthe. But they got more than just Absinthe. The company that does that you write about in Vital Vegas, a different thing called Atomic Saloon Show. Well, that's right. This company... Uh, famous for their kind of offbeat ideas and their wacky humor that they infuse into their shows. Uh, this is the same company. It's called Spiegel World. They uh, have done Absinthe. It just hit its eighth year anniversary at Caesars Palace in a tent outside. Went to the show recently. It's still very funny. Great variety acts. And uh, now 
Uh, oh, they also did Opium at Cosmo, which has kind of flown under the radar, but it's it's uh, done pretty well and still around after a year plus. And so this new show, they they really are famous for sending out news releases and descriptions of their shows that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. I think part of that is they don't want to ruin it, but I think also part of it is they have no idea what this is actually going to be about. They kind of have a theme. They want it to be kind of country western, Nevada, neon, atomic, uh, who knows? So, but w- what you can rely on is it will be memorable, it will be odd, and it may be disturbing because a lot of the humor that they put in these shows is very adult. Uh, so if you're if you're sensitive, probably I don't know. I still say go because you're in Vegas. You got to let off a little steam and let down your inhibitions a little bit. Don't be so stuffy. But uh, fair warning, right at the beginning of of each of these shows, they say if you're sensitive to language, get the f out. That's basically their disclaimer. Uh, this this show coming up, really nobody knows what it's going to be about. Uh, it's I trust it's going to have characters. That's kind of their signature thing is these kind of over-the-top characters in Absinthe. It's the gazillionaire, and uh, he's just this kind of buffoonish, kind of mega-rich kind of guy with a bad attitude. In Opium, there are multiple characters, and in this show, it sounds like there's uh, it's going to fit that same kind of format. They also do great variety acts. They get some of the best variety acts uh, in Las Vegas, and when the variety acts are strong, the show is strong. Make sure to check out Scott's blog, VitalVegas.com, every day for updates on the ever-changing news of Las Vegas. Thanks for listening. And by the way, kudos to the folks from The Win and Encore. They brought back free parking, a definite step in the right direction. See you next week, and have a great weekend. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Vegas, here we go! The action is hot, the atmosphere cool, and the parking is free. The Orleans Hotel and Casino, over 1,800 rooms, 70 lanes of bowling, an 18-screen movie theater, 8,000-seat arena, fabulous dining, virtual reality, a giant race and sports book, and the biggest stars are in the Orleans showroom. The Orleans Hotel and Casino, two blocks west of the Strip, minutes from the airport, with rooms starting at $45. This is how you Vegas. The Orleans Hotel and Casino. Visit orleanscasino.com.